You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, The Gospel of Luke, Jesus for All, we walk through Luke's account of the life and ministry of Christ. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? You good? All right. My name is Sam, as some of you know. Um, I'm one of the elders here at Mountain City Church, and I have a great privilege of this opportunity to preach this morning, share the word, um, divide it rightly. I got to tell you, I'm running on some very nervous energy. Um, But I'm very excited to have this opportunity. Extremely, probably too excited, but still, um, nonetheless, very excited. Um, Today, I get the awesome privilege of presenting today's message. And uh, I'm probably going to stay right here just because this is a safe island to live on. Um, I want to be certain to first give God praise for this opportunity. It is by him and through him that any of this is even possible. Um, I got to say that just me being here is a miracle. Um, For 10 years, folks, I have um, thought about this opportunity. I have been thinking about this, and I've been praying about this, and I've been thinking about this, and I've been praying about this, and, well, thinking and praying. And I've been overthinking it and definitely underpraying it. Um, well, for too long, I allowed the fear of man to keep me seated in, in the pew. Um, I hid myself completely um, comfortable with um, being at church and not being in church. Um, but God always has a plan, amen? That's right, I like hearing those amens. He is always faithful to complete it, Amen. All right, so without further ado, shall we pray? Father God, you are so good. You are so gracious, so merciful, so awesome and amazing, God. Your grace is amazing, and we sit here in it today, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear what you have for us, to give us um, wisdom, God, and knowledge and discernment, Lord, and just uh, help give us ears to hear and hearts to receive um, what your word says, Father God, and in it and through everything that we say and everything that we do, God, we just pray that you would be honored and glorified in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. amen. All right, so before I go to the passage, I just want to explain my, my uh, interaction with Joe but before we decided to do this. Many of you know I had um, double knee surgery a couple weeks ago, about a month, but it wasn't replacement. It was just the uh, orthoscopic. Either way, I knew I was going to be down for the count for a couple weeks, a few weeks, several. Um, so I'm like, hey, Joe, I'm going to have some time off. Um, you know, maybe I'll have some time for some uh, a sermon or, or two. And uh, he was like, and I, I figured it'd take him a little while, but two weeks later, or two days later, he says, uh, how about February 25th? Uh, Luke chapter uh, 13, verses 10 through 21. I'm like, uh, okay. Um, he says, I, I want you to read it 10 times and uh, let me know what it says to you. So I didn't tell him I read it 10 times um, because I thought, why does he want me to read it 10 times? He's, the, he's up to something. He want, there's something he wants me to see or he already has something figured out. So I read it 10 times, but I didn't tell him. And hoping I'd get something out of him, I'm like, Joe, why did you want me to read that 10 times? He says, you'll see. So um, trust me, I know Joe for going on 20 years. I've been trying to fish something out of this guy that whole time. I have yet to hook him. Um, he says, just read it. It'll t- um, tell you what it says. So I told him, yeah, I read it. 
Um, he says, well, what did it say? I said, second guessing, of course, because that, that pew that gets so comfortable. And I said, sometimes I wonder if I should be doing any of this. And he says, ha, that's Satan's favorite taunt. He tells me that every day. I'm like, okay, so I realized I wasn't going to get anywhere um, trying to pry something out of Joe. So I, I told him what I, I thought that it said. And he says, that sounds like a great three-point uh, Baptist outline. So I'm like, well, okay. So, and that's how we are. That's how we got to where we are today through that, that interaction. And uh, I'm not sure if I have three points, if I have six points or one point. Just so we point to Jesus, amen? So the passage is um, Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 21. If you will, read that with me. If you have a Bible, that would be great. If not, there's one in front of you. You can use that. Um, now he was teaching in, this, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, he said to the people, There are six days in which, you ought to work, which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And not, not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Verse 18, he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in a garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Amen? There we go. All right. I got to get a drink. I'm... So what did it say? Well, it said there is never a wrong time to serve, especially to the faith family. It said that the kingdom of God is a sanctuary, a safe place to be nurtured, and that the kingdom of God should be spread out and shared. Let's look at verse 13 again. Let me find it. And he laid his hands on her. Oh, okay, no, all right. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. Nothing unusual, right? Actually, uh, Luke 4.16 says that it was customary for Jesus to teach on the Sabbath. So he's teaching, and he looks over, and he notices that this woman, she's all, she's all bent over, she's all jacked up, bent over, and she's unable to stand up straight. So Jesus, he calls her over to him, and he says, Woman, you are free from your disability. Then he laid his hands on her, and she stood straight up. She stood straight up and started praising the Lord. I can hear it now. A whole bunch of holy hallelujahs. I got to tell you, when your back hurts, if any of you have ever had a back issue, um, back pain, um, it's incredible when you get relief. Um, whenever I had the surgery, my back got jacked up and I, my, my sciatic had me laid up. I could hardly move. Nothing was touching it. And I got to thank everybody for praying for me during that time. Physical therapy finally has uh, got me back to to good, praise God. 
So if any of you have ever had that trouble, you know what it's like and how incredible it is when you finally get some relief. So this lady, finally free from her disability, she probably wasn't being real quiet about it. And you can be certain that if you get that kind of healing, you're going to shout. Amen? Then here comes the church police, verse 14. And he says, the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, he said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath. Now this guy, he, he has middleman syndrome. I said middle, I'm not little. See, he's the middle guy. He's the, the ruler of the synagogue. He, he's the caretaker of the synagogue. He's, he keeps order. He's in charge, but only whenever the, the high priest or the chief priests aren't there. Today, he gets to be the boss. At least he tries to be the boss. As this woman is definitely getting her praise on, this dude, he gets all annoyed, and he tries to shut her down. Then Jesus, in his usual subtle way, he says, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? What a heavy statement Jesus just said. He said some very profound things in that statement, and I want to come back to that. I want to peel that open um, because it's very important that we look at what he said. But I want to go to um, verse 17 and, and beyond. As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. So before we focus on that, let's go back to this, this the ruler of the synagogue. See, this guy, he was a Pharisee, and the dictionary is very clear um, with what a Pharisee is, a self-righteous person, a hypocrite. So Jesus hit the bullseye when he said, you hypocrites. As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Slow roll. I got to take it easy here. Take a breath. I'm flying. I tend to put the hammer down and just go. Um, I got to. Joe's like, just breathe. All right, so the Bible doesn't explain right here where, um, what those glorious things are, but sprinkled throughout the gospel are story after story of glorious things done by Jesus. Amen? There we go. All right, so back to this guy, this ruler of the synagogue. He's so hyper-focused on the law, the oral law or the added law or the, the in addition to God's law law, that he completely ignores the fact that he breaks his own laws and he dials in on what he thinks is an obvious um, sin to him and everyone else. Self-righteously, he declares Jesus a lawbreaker. Now, I could bore you to sleep with the description of the laws and the, the many add-ons, but we don't have the kind of time it would take for me to explain that to you. Besides, you shouldn't eat right after a nap anyways, right? Some of you will get that. Just know this. As the ruler of the synagogue, this guy, he knew the law, and he was certain that the law as he knew it had been broken. So law-minded and blinded by his own self-righteousness that he, he misses the miracle. He totally ignores the fact that an astonishing miracle has just happened. He doesn't see it that way. Why? In Matthew 23, 23 and 24 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. 
These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a net and swallowing a camel. So self-righteous that their own glory blinds them to the true glory of God. This guy and all his homeboys, they completely missed this miracle. So determined to point out what they believe is a sin that they ignore the fact that they have sin in their lives and they never even expect to get called on it. Self-righteous, prideful, and arrogant, this, this ruler of the synagogue attempts to shut down the celebration of this miracle. Well, Jesus, he ain't having any of that. He flips it right back on him, and he quickly puts an end to that guy's protest. The plank-eyed sinner comes to mind, Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is exactly what happened, and we can rest assured that it will happen to, to us if we aren't careful. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The sin of self-righteousness is so clever that it can appear as an act of worship. Very subtle and deceptive. It makes it real easy to see other people's sin. We've got to be on guard, always willing to do a, a self-inventory, mindful of the devil's schemes. 1 Peter 5.8 says, To be sober-minded, to be watchful, your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a, a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We have to receive the implanted word, we have to be careful not to judge it, trusting in God's provision to provide in word and deed. Amen? These folks, these folks were seeing profound miracles in person. And sure, we experienced miracles, many miracles. But these folks, they were seeing demons cast out. They were seeing healing after healing, like leprosy and, and things like that. Um, they witnessed resurrections from the dead. Okay? Before we get so high-minded to think that we would never sin that or, or say that or do that or, or sin that way. Remember, Jesus just told us in a couple of verses ahead of that that we should all repent or perish. I wouldn't be surprised if many of those who cried Hosanna in the highest shouted crucify him at his trial. We would be foolish to think that we are any better. Again, I point to 1 Corinthians. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Amen? All right. Now we'll, we'll travel back to peel open what Jesus said in verse 16. Let's look again at what he is saying. So I'll read it again. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Notice he calls her a daughter of Abraham a member of the family, a child of the creator of the universe. He could have just said, this Jewish woman or this descendant of Abraham. But instead, he makes the distinction of calling her a daughter, a true believer in God. Romans two twenty-eight and 29 says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. 
Also in Luke 19.9, Jesus speaking about Zacchaeus says, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham, calling Zacchaeus a fellow believer. Amen? That's right. After declaring her a child of God, he basically says that she should be healed, regardless of if it's a Sabbath day or not. I'm not saying here that healing is only for the faith family or only for believers. Don't hear that. No, the family distinction was just to point out how Jesus sees us. He is our brother. He is he's the firstborn of many, and he cares deeply for us all. So deeply that he died for us and was raised to life three days later, defeating death and restoring our relationship through the blood of his cross. Amen. Do you believe that today? Yeah. Do you see yourself as a child of God? Yeah. Amen. A brother, a sister to Jesus, a member of the family. Are you a person who, who has been healed or is being healed or even can be healed? If not, I pray that God would change your heart today. Because I got to tell you, folks, Jesus still heals today. He still saves today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, that today is the day of salvation. Jesus still breaks the chains of bondage. He still sets people free today. He is still doing miracles. I got to tell you, look around. Many of them are among us today. Amen. Yes, today is the day of salvation. As brothers and sisters, following Christ's example, we should always be willing to serve. There will never be a wrong time to serve. God will always provide opportunities for us to serve. Every one of us knows someone in need, and that need may not always be a physical need. Jesus says in Matthew 9, 37, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And in John 4, 35, Lift up your eyes. For the fields are white for harvest. The name's in the fish tank. Our unsaved loved ones. So many lost souls just walk around town. People without hope. But Jesus still heals. Jesus is still drawing all men unto him. Drawing people into the kingdom of God. Look around you folks. The kingdom, it is a growing kingdom. A home. A sanctuary. A safe place. Some 2,000 years ago, this all started with Jesus and the 12 that he called. And here we sit today because of that mustard seed. And oh, what a magnificent tree this has become. Jesus said in John 12, 32, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. We, as a church, have desired to make much of Jesus Every Sunday, and every Sunday he is lifted up in this church, and he continues to draw people unto him. It seems like every week someone new walks through those doors. I gotta say hallelujah. It's so awesome to see the words of Jesus come to fruition right in front of us. Amen. Ten years ago, LaDonna and I, we walked through those same doors, and we've been nesting in these branches ever since. During those ten years, we have Experience the Bible coming to life over and over. It's so awesome when you see words that you're reading on paper um, come to life, happen right in front of you. When you read a scripture and you can say, yes, that happens now in our presence. He, we are um, amongst or in a growing 
community. Um, I have to say that in these branches, that we are well-fed and we are well-nourished. John 6.35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We are safe and we are protected. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen? In Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. And I had to add 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Amen? And in these branches, we are being built up. First Peter 2.5 says, You yourselves, like, a, like living stones, are being built up as spiritual houses <clears throat> to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Folks, <clears throat> excuse me. We're not going to nest in a place that doesn't provide safety, protection, and nourishment. We are created in community and for community. And the kingdom of God provides it all in Christ Jesus. As brothers and sisters, daughters and sons, members of the family of God, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that, that sacrifice calls us into glorious fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but not exclusive fellowship. No, remember, <clears throat> this kingdom is a growing kingdom, amen? Verse 20, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. As family members, not only are we called into fellowship with God, but we are commanded to do our best to add to the kingdom to grow the family. Jesus says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This woman had three measures of flour, and she added the leaven until it was all leavened. Uh, any bread makers in here? She went, oh, there's a bread maker. There's, there's some more back there, I know for sure. So you know that leaven is the ingredient for change in the dough, or yeast. We call it yeast. Um, so, but I'm going to say leaven because it's written leaven, and it's just easier for me to say it that way, amen? All right, so anyway, without the leaven, the dough doesn't rise. You have flat bread or unleavened bread. But when you add the leaven, the dough rises, expands, changing the complete dynamic of the bread. Just like the leaven is the ingredient for change in the bread, the gospel is the ingredient for change in a person's life. As the leaven expands the bread, so the gospel expands the kingdom. When the gospel penetrates the heart of a person, their complete dynamic of life changes. As the light of that change shines out, it draws people other people to it and presents us with opportunities 
to share the gospel, to spread the gospel, and to expand the kingdom. The leaven transforms the bread, causing a complete change. The gospel transforms the heart, causing an effective change, meaning it causes us to affect change. It causes us to go and tell, to proclaim, and to witness about all the glorious things that were done by him. It started with Jesus and the Twelve a couple thousand years ago. And today, there are millions and millions, even billions. Heaven is getting pretty full. So do you think that that is enough? Is it? Is one billion enough? Is two billion enough? Verse 21 again. It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. Until what? Until it was all leavened. Until it was all leavened. We are all here today because the gospel affected change in someone else. And just as they were changed and had to go and tell, so must we. Remember, Jesus said, the fields are ripe for harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There will always be opportunities to share the gospel, to go and tell. Heaven is big enough. It's big enough to absorb all that we can send. And the best part is that Jesus promises to be with us always, even to the end of the age. To the bitter end, well, perhaps for some, but not for us. For us, I say, to the glorious end. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Folks, we are affected, and we are equipped. The gospel has affected us. The Lord has equipped us. Today is the day of salvation. It is time for us to come out of hiding and go into all the world, folks, to go and tell, to affect the kingdom, the endless eternal kingdom of God. Let's pray. Glorious and wonderful, merciful God, we love you. God, we praise you. God, we thank you. You have been so good to us, God. You have given us your son for our salvation. You have given us your word to sustain us, Father God, and you have guided our hearts and our minds and brought us into glorious fellowship with you through that sacrifice. Lord, we just give you praise, God. We pray that if anyone has been affected by your word today, Lord, 
that you would um, draw them closer to you and help them to understand what it's like to have a right relationship with you. Father God, we just ask that you would minister to each heart here today. Lord, give us strength and courage to go and tell and to witness about all the glorious things that you have done. For it is in the awesome name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.